0: This morning I wanted, uh, the the title of this message is An Unprecedented Move, and I'll tell you why. Uh, The new buzzword in the media is unprecedented, and uh, we're in the times of the unprecedented. Uh, The media have currently been using the word unprecedented a lot. So this is the dictionary mean, The, the, the official meaning of the word unprecedented means never known or done before and I want to give you a verse and it's 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9 because I believe the call to New Testament Christianity is the call to live an unprecedented life and it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9 and I'll go there I should have had this open sorry just about quote it, but I'll probably uh, mess it up for you, but in 1 Corinthians chapter two verse nine, it says this, "I is not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Hands up this morning if you love him. If you love him a lot, put your hand up. Because this is the word. And I want you to write your name in the Bible alongside of this. For this season that is ahead for you. I want to say to you, I has not seen, nor is ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for you. And for us. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. God has already revealed them to us in his spirit. It's like this, God's already put it in here. What is about ready to unfold in your life. I really believe this, that the church is not going to, at the end of the age, whatever that looks like and whenever that is, is not going to be a defeated institution that is shut down by what's going on around us. But I believe the further we go in history, we are going to see a glorious church emerge, a powerful church emerge. And when Jesus asked Peter in Matthew chapter 16, uh, you know, who do you say I am? Peter gave him an answer. And he said, you are the Christ, you are the son of the living God. And and if you have that revelation really on the inside of you, you become an unstoppable person. And we become an unstoppable church. I want to say this, that we are part of the unstoppable church that Jesus was speaking about in that verse. We are not it. We are part of it. But nevertheless, the word is true to you and it's true to us that I hasn't seen, nor has ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for him. Let's talk about this word unprecedented because I believe we are going to see some unprecedented things happen. On the 1st of January 2020, the fires were reported as being unprecedented. Whether they are or not, we've really got to put the question there because the media likes to sell uh, newspapers and media space and everything else and will do whatever to do it. So we can't believe everything we hear. If you'll go back to one of the messages that I spoke last year on restoration, it is about that we are living in a post-truth era. And uh, post-truth means that truth has now taken second place to feelings. And that's the generation that we lived in. You know, when I was being raised back on the farm in central Victoria, truth was a lot more important than feelings. I know my dad loved me, but he didn't always consider my feelings. He would more be bent along the way of the truth, and uh, that's sort of how it was. But nevertheless, this is the word twenty. This is the year 2020. Unprecedented hail damage. Uh, these are some of the headlines that, if you do a, a, a Google check, you will get this. Unprecedented results of climate change, that's January 1. Before we ticked over into the new year, into 2020, uh, the press said the events at Mallacoota, which is not far from here, about four hours that way, uh, were reported as an unprecedented national disaster. This is is really uh, interesting because on the 30th of January, Suncorp, the insurance company, reported unprecedented Claims caused by recent fire, floods, and hail, and it's only we're only a month in, and all the you know only a, a section of the, the claims have been put in, uh, but claims for six hundred and seventy-four million dollars for one insurance company, uh, you know, have come up. Now I've got some news for you: your insurance premiums are going to have an unprecedented leap. Because this is the way that it works, unfortunately. On the 31st of January, just a couple of days ago, the World Health Organization declared that coronavirus is an unprecedented outbreak. And, you know, we can remember back, back to probably 1999, 2000, 2001, and we ha- heard a very similar thing of SARS and people running for cover and, you know, in the end it's sort of all, you know, like most of these things, you know, uh, are subdued in the end. But nevertheless, the World Health Organization have declared that this is an unprecedented outbreak and it's very dangerous. And it is. And the 31st of January, the White House dramatically scales up the U.S. response to this unprecedented risk. So, so, you know, the word unprecedented is breaking out there. And just the day before yesterday, the ACT was declared a state of emergency for the first time. These things are unprecedented. I wanted to tell you something that happened this week. You know, uh, we had an unprecedented event in the church. That day that was really hot one of those water sprinklers went off. The sensors, uh, the sensors uh, said that this is, there's a fire in here, and uh, there wasn't, it was just darned hot up there. And the, uh, the sprinkler went off and we had an outpouring. <laughs> so if your bum is a bit wet this morning, it is because of the outpouring we have had this week. And I want to thank our team who responded so quickly because the fire alarm worked, the system works beautifully. The fire brigade came, so there'll probably be an unprecedented bill. And uh, uh, the people in the shop next door came quickly, and that was isolated within probably two or three minutes. But it was an amazing outpouring in the church. And when the engineer got up there, uh, those things don't go off unless it's 68 degrees, But it went off, so it was darned hot up there, but we don't think it was that hot. And he said, this is unprecedented. I've never seen it before. Now, I am not kidding. I think that God is going to do something unprecedented in your life, in my life, in this church, in this city. And if if I've got anything to do with it, and I'm sure if God's got anything to do with it, with every other church in the city and the region, something unprecedented is going to begin to break out. And this is the Bible. It says, first the natural, then the spirit. You might think I'm getting right off a bit this morning, but I believe this. And this morning, you know, I was in here, and uh, yesterday we, we gathered together with the Kingsway Church down the road. Uh, And we had prayer from 8.30 and it didn't want to finish and it was getting pretty close to 10. It was unprecedented and it was beautiful and, uh, and something was going on there. And boy, you know, I was just praying and, you know, normally I like to just hear things and say them, but I could hear the word unprecedented. And then I came in here this morning. And I kept it myself because I believe the Lord wanted me to announce it this morning. But I came into the prayer meeting this morning and Julian was praying about how something unprecedented is going to happen. He was using the word. And it's like the word is out there in the spirit. And I want to put that word out there. Uh, I want to give you some cinnamons. Is that how you say it? (laughs) I I went back to school as a... uh, you know, as a skilled chaplain, and I learned all the stuff I, learned to, I refused to learn when, you know, when I went there in the first place. So I, so I know all this stuff. I know how to do long division now, and, you know, all that stuff I'm really good at. Cinnamons, synonyms, got it. Synonyms, not cinnamins. Hey, listen to this, bizarre extraordinary, miraculous, fantastic, unusual. I'm looking at the church unusual here. you unusual looking bunch of people. Miraculous. These are the words that line up. This is what I, unprecedented things are. And I'm putting it out there because I believe it's just the word that's there. I, I believe that in, in the future that God's going to You know, if you look at the Bible and you look at what happened, Jesus' first miracle was the miracle of turning the water into wine. And they asked, why did you save the best wine until last? And if you look at the scripture, it talks about the church at the end of the age. And it says, the glory of the latter house will be far greater than the former. And this is what God wants to do. He wants to raise the church from where we're at today. He wants to captivate our hearts. He wants to reach on the inside. And he wants to put something new on the inside. He wants to put the new wine there. Because this new wine begins to upgrade you. Have you ever seen somebody who's had a lot of wine? Come on, don't be too religious. Hands up if you've ever had too much wine. You didn't have to put your hand up to that, really. Now we know who you are. Now it's confirmed. We're entering an amazing season where God can do unprecedented things. You know, God's going to do something great through his church. And we're part of that. And who's, who knows, we might be fire starters in that respect. So use this season, particularly our month of praying and fasting and getting together. I'm I'm off Facebook. I just got a, and, and you know, one of the reasons I did this, you know, each week you get a little thing on your Facebook that says, Screen time this week. Mine dropped 21% last week. And I've only been fasting three days. So I'm a serial Facebooker. Said to one of my friends, I'm getting away from the toxicity of Facebook. And unfortunately, I think I created a fair bit of it myself. I want you to use this season of praying and fasting... To blast through every hindering spirit, every excuse, every excuse, every lie. I pray that there would be nothing found in your thinking or my thinking, your mindsets or my mindsets, your heart or my heart, your daily habits or my daily habits, your lifestyle or my lifestyle that are hindering us from living to the full. What's the point of praying and fasting if nothing's going to change? Before God can do the unprecedented, we need to face head on with determination and aggression lying limiting factors. I have some thoughts on this when it comes to being upgraded, because we call this year, you know, 2020, the year of the upgrade. There's a couple of things we need to do. And the first one is get ready and get positioned. Get ready, get positioned. The first one is in the presence of God get found daily in the presence of God somewhere. The year before last, I went over to, or was it last year? Last year. Or the year before, I went to to Chennai in India. And I went to a place called, and had the privilege of ministering at a place called St. Thomas Mount. And it was actually the place where the apostle Thomas, uh, one of the 12, after he really met the risen Christ, he went to that part of the world and he ministered there for 20 years. And that part of India is where the gospel is established because he was martyred there. And one of the things that really struck me about this, I just was there for uh, you know a week or so and just looking around is that The Apostle Thomas preached the gospel to the Hindus. And for 20 years, they lived in caves and they were hidden. And there was a cave that they took us to, you know, whether this is the actual cave or not, who knows. You know, sometimes history and religion can mix everything up. But they said, this is is the cave where Thomas, the disciple, hid from those that wanted to take his life. But the thing that really did impact me is after 20 years, they came for him and his time had come. And Thomas, the one who said, I just don't believe. I'm not going to believe unless I see him, unless I can put my fingers in the wounds. And then all of a sudden Jesus turned up. And the words that Thomas said are my Lord and my God. Was really interesting because Thomas, when the, his time had come, ran to the mountaintop, to the place where he had daily encounters with the risen Christ. Do you do you know you can live life like that? Um, I talked a moment ago that I pray during this month that God will remove every hindering factor there's one way to remove the hindering factors from your life that constantly pull you back. And that is that you find yourself on the mountaintop on a regular basis with Jesus. You know, for a lot of my years, I've got a spot out in the pines where I used to go there and I had my regular time with God. I bought my, I would walk for miles and pray in tongues. And then I would, uh, I would sit on the deck chair up the top of the mountain and I'd write down what I believed that God had said to me. And I'd begin to speak that over the city. And, you know, I look back on my notes that I wrote now and I used to think at times, see, I'm just plucking this out of thin air. But, you know, all of it's here now. I I believe we need that place. You know, some people call them a thin place where you can go and you can find God. I was talking in the prayer meetings about the Moravians There's a place in America called the Moravian Falls. And it's where the Moravian Church, I think that's how you say it, or Moravian. They prayed for 100 years. They had a prayer meeting that started and it never finished for 100 years. They didn't take a day off. There was somebody praying 24-7 for 100 years. But now it's a place in America where all the prophets go there because it's like a thin Place because the constant offering of prayer and praise has opened the heavens. Yeah. One of them is a you know a man, I just ordered some of his books and they're really great, a man by the name of Bobby Connor. And he goes there every year and God downloads his instructions for the next year. And those books are just marvelous. It's a Moravian church. This is uh, so unusual, isn't it? But so how it should be. So get ready and get positioned. You've got to be in the right place. I'm still on point number one. But you've got to be in the upper room. You know, when Jesus broke the bread and gave communion, the Last Supper, it was in the upper room. And this is a place where Jesus made covenant with the twelve. And we know that one was a deceiver. But covenant was made in the upper room. Do you know what church is meant to be like? The upper room. But after Jesus laid his life down and uh, descended into Hades, preached the gospel to the, uh, those, the Old Testament saints, and on the third day was raised from the dead, And then 50 days later, he ascended into the heavens. And 50 days later, 50 means Pentecost. And on Pentecost, on the Feast of Pentecost, 50 days after the Passover, they were gathered in one place and in one accord and the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church. So if we want to live with maximum unprecedented potential, we've got to invest our time into the upper room. And that's part of what this month's about. Gosh, this sounds very fanatical, Pastor Brian. You're darn right it is. You know, for Thomas to spend 20 years of his life in India... Preaching the gospel under daily threats is extreme. It's fanatical. You know, for Jesus to come and to live on the earth and to only do what his heavenly father said is absolutely extreme and radical. And I believe the church in the last days is going to be extreme. And it's going to be radical. And one of the things it's going to be darned extreme at is not so much banging people over the head with beliefs, but extreme love. Extreme passion. We've just started discipleship with our young people and it's called extreme living. And we want to teach those people that basics. You know, we need to constantly be found in the upper room. Well, we haven't got an upper room at the moment. So we're going to be at Kingsway at 6.30 till 8 o'clock every morning of the week and then 8.30 on Saturdays and here at 9. But uh, one day we'll have an upper room. So where are we got to be? We've got to be where there are two or more. Jesus said in the Gospels, Wherever there are two or more gathered in my name, there am I in their midst. Do you know what? Jesus is here this morning. He is here in this place. But sometimes we can't see it because of what's going on in here. So we're looking at people as though, who are you? Look at the way. You know, look at the way they dress. You know? Oh there, there's Emily again. Who does she think she is? You know, I'm just saying it because we can be like this and when we think of people like that, we are denying the presence of God. And that's why Jesus said, don't judge. Because when you judge other people, do you know what you're doing? You are failing to see the Jesus in their life. And we are not maximizing the impact of the presence of God. It's like when I saw my little girl, Claire, and I looked at her and I thought, I've never seen anything so beautiful in my life but her eyes. Because they were like a window to a soul. Is how we're meant to live. So we need to be where there are two or more. We need to be in the church. In the church. Do you know where the the, the greatest move in history is going to break out in churches? And that's why I think to sing that song and to love that song, uh, you know, the so- it's just a song, but to... You know, to love God, you know, through using songs like that is so amazing. And this is Ephesians 3.20. You know, we've been talking about Ephesians now for a few months. And it says, now to him, who's him? Jesus. God, the Holy Spirit. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, that means unprecedented. Above all we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory. What's it say next? You don't know your verses? In the church. They're gathering together. They gathered together. You know, there's that place where you go and you're positioned in the presence of God personally, on your own. But then the upper room was corporate. Where two or more are gathered, it's corporate. The church is corporate. Number two, hearts must be right. The greatest area of testing is the heart. Well, anybody been tested in the heart lately? Hearts will be tested. Tested. I want to tell you something so revelatory and so truthful that you can't deny it. You will be tested, and so will I. It's a principle. And you know, in James 1, it says, you know, when you fall into various trials and testings, what's it say? You didn't sound too joyful when you said that. Thank God, be joyful because it's just a test. You know, if you don't understand this, if you don't understand, you know, you'll think things have gone wrong. And they haven't. So count it all joy when you fall into various trials and testings because God is going to do this to you. This happened to me. I'm writing my, um, you know, the history of this church now. And at one stage we had a man by the name of Ernie Scott. Can anybody remember him? There wouldn't be too many because most of you wouldn't have not have been here. But this was an American prophet that came here, and I've, oh man, this guy is a prophet. He said, he said, this is going back just before I became the pastor. He said, there's a great deal of shaking going to become against the leading of this, leaders of this church. And I thought, that is about time. Because I had just resigned from the leadership of the church. Because they're being naughty. And then he said, especially you. And he pointed right at me and I thought, hang on, I thought I'd resigned. And he just read my mail. He said, especially you, it's testing time. Can you remember that? Unbelievable. Anyhow, you know, everything was just rocking along, was good, I was being successful in business. God sent this prophet to announce that I was entering a time of testing. You have got no idea what happened in the time after that but that word, I thank God for it because God was, bought that word because my heart was being tested. Yeah. I want to explain this because testing precedes promotion. You know, every year at school, they have testing. And, and if you pass the test, you get promoted. At least that's the way it used to be now, you know. Do you know what I mean? This is a principle in God testing will come. You will be tested. My heart will be tested. And God, if you pass the test, he will promote you. And this is literally what happened. You know, uh, God came and he began to test me like our business went crash. Our, uh, you know, we had to sell our house. It was like a nightmare. It was, whoa, what did I do wrong? And I thought I was doing something wrong. But it wasn't that. God allowed that to happen to me by, by the goodness out of his heart. And it was a wonderful thing in the end. Hey, listen to this. Don't fall into the trap of living by your feelings because you can easily become deceived. Listen, if you are not being tested today, you most likely will be in the near future. I found it's just a principle. That was probably one of the biggest test that I ever had in my life, but it still happens, where God begins to test your heart with a person, you know, where your heart to your brothers and sisters is tested, something comes up in there, and and, you know, judgment comes up in there, and criticism comes up in there, and and I want you to know it's okay, but we must realise that God is testing our hearts. And you know, when you turn to God in prayer like you did yesterday, God just started to straighten out my heart with some people. Because if you're not in prayer, what happens? The attack keeps coming, and we interpret it in a natural way, and we become fodder for spiritual attack. Hearts must be right. So it's going to happen. God, this is what the word says, God tests those he loves. He disciplines those he loves. So so we can see life like that, you know, where we've just lost a million dollars and we go, oh, thank Jesus, count it all joy. I think you're initially going to be a little bit ticked off. (laughs) You know, we lost a lot, didn't we, during that time? It was just crazy. And it was like it went on for about three years in our life this season of testing. But God had to teach me something during the testing. And I thank God for it. Hearts must be right. God tests those he loves. He disciplines those he loves. I want you to know this. God loves you. Even when things are not going so brilliantly around about you. He loves you. Now listen to this. This is just a you know uh, one of the verses in the Bible that talks about testing. This is in Judges chapter 2, 21. It says, I also will no longer drive out before them uh, of the nations which Joshua left when he died, in order to test Israel by them whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk in their fathers or not. So what happened is after Joshua took the enemy out, God actually left some of the adversaries there so the next generation could be tested. Crazy, isn't it? God left the problem there. And there's this principle of testing all the way through Scripture. So he tested... Israel's obedience. Church, I want to say this. Firstly, we've got to get ready and we've got to be positioned. Number two, we use this month to get our hearts right so that God can do something unprecedented. What God did in Tim's life was unprecedented in his life. Hey, This is really interesting because last night, I I was looking up, doing some Googling, seeing I can't do Facebooking now. And I looked up the word, (laughs) I looked up the word, no, this is productive stuff, Lynn. Unprecedented miracles. That's a good thing to look up, isn't it? And I wanna read to you what I came up with because this just popped up. No kidding. My screen time dropped 21%. I wasn't there that long. There's a book called Aligning with the Apostolic by Dr. Bruce Cook. I never heard of this bloke till last night, but I want to read it to you. The Apostle Paul set the divine stage for unprecedented miracles. In other words, somebody's got to set the stage. And, you know, that's why we need the apostolic dimension in the church. But this is where it gets really exciting. I've ordered this book because this just blew me away. The call of God in this present hour is for the church to upgrade by finding the father assigned in their life. Like Jesus who left Galilee, the circle of friends, And went to the Jordan. He went down. Jordan means the descender. We must also leave our Galilee, the place where religion takes us in circles. The time is for us to break away from our John the Baptist doctrine at the Jordan, where we can humble ourselves and submit to governing authority in the church. Wow, this is crazy. Every man and woman of God who wants to fulfill their destiny must find a spiritual father who will baptize and immerse them in the water of God's present truth so they can proceed to their destiny and live under an open heaven. The last two songs we did were songs written by my spiritual father. I believe that I'm able to enter into a my destiny, because I've allowed a father to cut my heart. This is the difference of staying on the outside or entering in. Some of the things my spiritual father at times have cut my heart. And I've come away thinking, how could he see me that way? but it's the heart of love. You know, when this building opened, my spiritual father is not well. He is not a well man. And he travelled from the other side of, well, from Asia to get to here, to be here that night and to give his best. Sometimes when we're around father type figures, our heart can become cut. You know, Do you know where it got to the bottom of Tim's healing is when his heart had been cut the wrong way. But now he had to come and allow his heart to be prepared for an unprecedented move that would set him free and bring him into his destiny. This is really amazing. Every man and woman who wants to fulfill their destiny must find a spiritual father. And you can go away and think about that, but the church had a spiritual father in the early days and will baptize and immerse them in the water of God's present truth so they can proceed to your destiny. Do you know what? Abraham had to circumcise the heart of Isaac and Jacob's heart had to become circumcised before he could enter into destiny. This is about the heart. Do you know what? The problems, the testings bring up the issues of the heart. And at that point, we can go, that's it. I'm not going any further. I've had church. I'm sick to death of the hypocrisy. I'm moving on. Failed the test. I've seen plenty of that. I saw the leaders in our church living in all sorts of sin. And I couldn't do a darn thing about it. So I withdrew from leadership. And then God sends a prophet from America. The hearts of this leadership are going to be tested. I've gone, you beauty. (laughs) Especially you. (laughs) Oh, my God. Do you know what? I thank God for that because I was gone and I could still be out of church, but God called me back in. You know, I was, Lynn and myself were out of church. And, and, you know, all of a sudden the denomination wanted to see us. I thought, why would they want to see us again and punch us? Because we've been very bad. I knew We had. And they met with us. And this is what they said, our pastor has has decided for his health, he must leave the city. And we believe you are the one called to lead the church. And Lynn goes, look at the time. Because eight years before, in a dream, God had given us a date and a time and we wrote it in the front of Lynn's Bible. And that was the only reason we said yes. The hearts will be tested. But but if you can't learn to surrender the aggression and the hurt on the inside, you can't be promoted. You just stay where you are. And that's okay. You know, you'll make it into heaven, but we want to fulfill destiny onto this earth. And that's what we're about. That's why we push in. This book goes on to you will not be able to fulfill destiny or reproduce anything until you have been cut by your father. Circumcision. It's a biblical principle. That's a pretty hot point, number two, isn't it? Because this is all about the heart. You know, Buddhism, humanism, you know, over in... In India, they have uh, the Brahman religion, and it's all about the mind. But the only faith, religion on the earth that addresses the real issue, which is the heart, is Christianity. But everywhere, Christians are in churches, and the church is unable to fulfil its destiny because of the failure to allow our hearts to be circumcised. My spiritual father, I love dearly, but I wanted to run from him because bit by bit and precept by precept, he brought me to the place where it's almost like my life's his. I love him. But boy, I ran from him. But my destiny is bound by the one that God's connected me with. I've got a heap more points. But I think I want to stop right here. Because the reason the church is stuck in the precedent is the heart has become shut down to God and to his spirit. And whenever you become shut down to me, but there's a greater accountability on me because whenever I become shut down to you, it's like God says, testing time. testing time you know I think uh, I'm just I just love our church I love you hanging around with you to me is what I love doing with my life I love hanging around with the young people but I love Auntie Marie she's the oldest member of our church she's in aged care temporarily I hope but I love her just as much as anyone else. But the minute I get offended by you and I become shut down to you, I can no longer lead you. You know, I believe that uh, there's been a reasonable amount of attack that I've come under and at times our church. But we've got to pass the test. And the test ultimately is will we love, will we forgive, and will we move forward together? You know, you can't overlook, you know, uh, violation of the laws of relationship or anything like that. Those things have got to be addressed. But we've got to learn to love one another. like Christ loved, you know? Hey, aren't those powerful words? Because this is, you know, I believe right through this room there are people with gifts and callings, you know, and God's given you something, but you can't fulfill destiny or reproduce anything until God deals with the heart. And the rotten part about this, this is absolutely rotten, unfair for me. Wouldn't it be good if it was just God that could deal with our heart? That's why I see some people have bailed out of church and go, I'll just love God. But the problem is they have not overcome the rock of offense that has taken them out in the first place. Because offense will become a rock in your heart it'll destroy your marriage you lose your best friends I've seen it happen it'll cut you off from those that want to give life I believe this morning God wants to set I don't even know why I'm talking about this I just believe it's what God said to me in the prayer meeting but the rock of offence If you don't pass the test, this is what happens. I was offended. I was offended. But yet God reached out to me in his love and he pulled me back in. He knew my heart. It's a fine line, isn't it? The rock of offense can destroy churches. I don't think we've got a particularly big issue with it here. I just think it's blocking different ones and stopping you. It's a rock. Do you know what? Do you know who put the rock there in the first place? Your pastor? (laughs) Your mum, your dad, your husband, your wife? Nah. It's like Jesus puts a rock there and says, you've got to overcome this. And do you know what? I want to say this. God has got a long time to test you. It's a biblical principle because, you know, the Bible talks in the book of Job about how Satan walked through the earth. He walked through the earth. And he said, who can I test? And the Lord spoke to him and said, go and test my servant, Job. He's more righteous than all the others. He's sinless. This guy just does nothing wrong. God says, go test him. And his life for a season went to the pits. And he had his counsellors. Do you know when you get negative about life and about other people and church and leaders and the boss at work, there'll always be Job's counsellors come along and say, let's curse him. Do you know what? You're getting tested. And if you're not, you will. Even as you start to pray and you decide, I'm going to forgive everyone. Oh man, some pearlers are going to come at you. (laughs) This is a beautiful thing. Because God loves you. We've got to watch the legalism. Because legalism makes us want to treat people the way they deserve to be treated. But then God has got to treat us the way we deserve to be treated. Legalism can't see anything right about anything. It sees the wrong. It sees the failures. It sees the blemishes. But love covers. Love crosses over. Love goes to the next level with people. Love surrenders. Love sacrifices. So this is a month where God is just going for the heart. I don't think this February of prayer and fasting is my idea at all. This is your month. Do you know what? Some of the things we can be offended about, don't know why I'm going here. Some of the things we can be offended about can happen and we are totally justified in our offense. But we're still not right. In this season ahead, this year, God's going to upgrade his church. One of the things is, you know, it was interesting how this guy said, we've got to leave John the Baptist's baptism, go to the next level. That's a, a, you know, the whole of Acts 19 talks about exactly that. Um, And the book of Ephesians. But you can't leave while you're attached to the past. You Can't move into your destiny. You can't move forward. What is my destiny here on earth? I think, for me, it's an unprecedented move of God in this city and region. That's what I believe. For you, it will be attached to that, but there will be other dimensions to it. This is good, but let's God sort this out. You know, the best way to deal with rocks of offence... You know if you've got a rock of offense because you can't reach that person. It's like the communication shuts down and you just don't want to talk to them anymore. Well, here's the wrong way to handle it. You did the wrong thing by me. You hurt me and I don't want to talk to you. That's not how you handle it. The Bible says that while they were yet sinners... God loved us and laid his life down for us. This is how you overcome offence. I love you. Thank you for everything you've ever done for me. You are the best. Problem solved. You don't need counselling. Man, I wouldn't go for a counsellor for quids now. I'd just say, just part, get rid of her, ditch her. I'd do exactly what the Bible says. I think we've got work to do. You know, it's not real, you know, it's not a lot of fun having an argument, hey. But reconciliation's a beautiful thing. By the way, you know, we get on harmoniously. I know this, Lynn forgives me a real lot. Especially last weekend when we were doing the painting. She forgave me a number of times. (laughs) Just a test. Just a test. Anyway, where do you go after a message like this? Welcome to February. Welcome to the year of the upgrade. Welcome to the call to leave dead religion and come into a living faith. God's not going to remove the test until you pass it. He's not going to remove the test until you pass it. You have the years of your life are ticking by, but God is here for eternity. It's time you made your move. It's time you let God do what he wants to do with you. Have you ever thought, I don't want to talk to that person because they tick me? Do you know, we've got to make a habit of going to the people in the church who we wouldn't normally go to. Clicky church is a sign the devil's are running the place. Yeah. 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 Sorry, Grant and Del for coming on a morning like this. <laughs> <laughs> but I believe this is the Bible straight down the line. And God's getting us ready for something amazing. And, you know, if someone's given us a bit of a public shellacking on Facebook. The Bible tells us what to do. Get off Facebook. Doesn't mean you go shoot them or judge them or cut off relationship. We've got to find a better way and learn to love. We can do this. We can do it. We can do it. This is a good church. As a pastor, I'd say, Great. I love it, I love this is it coming to church and seeing you on Sunday to me is the best I'm particularly happy that I'm seeing Carl and Karen today because they're paying for lunch <laughs> serious I just love, no serious I love coming, I love it, I love the fact that God brought you from South Africa and plonked you and your wonderful family right in ours, how good's that? Great. So it's great. But I believe God wants to bring this church from being a good church to that place of being, whoa. And if there's anything that'll do it, it's having a soft heart. And, you know, dealing with those things like those, you know, can become so critical. You know, be critical about people and say things that, you know, probably designed to help them, but it hurts them more than helping them. And And, you know, We can think we're doing the right thing, but we're not really. Anyway, on that note, I'm finished. I think. God bless you.